Bears have a big decision to make. Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Somebody is going to have a superstar at quarterback. Justin has a rare combination of intelligence, size, strength, and speed. What a move by Fields. He's done it again. If I'm not looking to take advice from you, I'm not going to care about your opinion. What makes him not the quarterback for the Chicago Bears right now? I get dug out everybody coming out. What, it's like two of them? I don't think they better than Justin. Welcome to NFL Live. Justin Fields, a huge topic of conversation today, and honestly, really all the way up to the draft, most likely. We're glad you're with us in a moment. You're going to hear how he's feeling about Chicago right now. Lewis Riddick, Booker McFarland, Dan Graziano here with you today. We're going to get uh, Mike Reese in a little bit later, the latest on the Patriots. But first, let's get back to the Bears, guys, because there's a lot going on there. Chicago, of course, has that number one overall pick. What's going to happen with Justin Fields? Well, that's the big question, of course. We're going to put an eagle eye on social media where Fields did what uh, makes you know that something's going on, right? He unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Fields addressed the unfollowing on the St. Browns podcast earlier today. Listen to this. Man, it's, ah, not even like okay, that. Okay. it's it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm. what? Just, just get away. Get away from every Bears post. It's either right, drive, you follow. Uh, it's nah, follow. It's either the drive Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG, don't mean you're not messing with them. Do you want to stay in Chicago or what's up? Yeah, of course, of course, I want to stay. Um, to be honest, bro, I'll be trying to like. You know, with all the talk, it's it's hard to, you know, I guess kind of just boom be in one place. But I can't see myself playing in another place. If it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The the fans there, you know, they're great. But um, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. Okay, just in case you missed it, he said, just because you unfollow the girl on IG doesn't mean. You're not messing with her, which is, I don't know, maybe something that people have said here. I'm not saying you guys. Uh, Booger, <laughs> on that note, we're going to start with you. What do you think about those comments from Fields? Well, I I'm going to assume you you're talking about the NFL part and not the girl part. So he he here's what I'll say. <laughs> uh, um, you know, this is a new day and age, Laura, when it comes to uh, how these younger athletes act. If it were me and, and as far as following somebody on social media, I could care less about it, but I know that's how this new age athlete communicates. If you don't want to be a part of a team, you unfollow them. You take down all your pictures. You take down all your posts. You make sure that you try your best to, to, to dissect yourself from that situation. So I, I truly understand what he's saying about kind of getting away from football because that's the talk, right? Like Lewis and I and Dan, we're all going to cover the draft. And is it going to be the Bears take Caleb Williams or do you keep Justin Fields? Like we're all going to talk about that and that's going to be inundating everybody's life between now and the draft. So I truly understand what he's doing it. But I do want to have a conversation, Lewis, with Mr. Fields about this following the girl on IG just because you'll mess with her. Maybe, maybe things have changed since you and I were dating back in high school. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, I, I, I don't even know what the, how to really begin with addressing that part of the comment. So I'll just – well, maybe we'll ask Justin about that some other time. But, but I'll tell you this, though. Like, I get what he's saying as far as hearing the, con, uh, the conversation all the time surrounding – himself and whether or not Caleb Williams is coming there, Jaden Daniels is coming there, and how that could start to mess with you, how that could really start altering your state of mind and your feelings about yourself, about your teammates, about the organization, about the city. I mean, all of it. 
Because that, that kind of thing, to hear them, people constantly speculating about your future when you don't have any control over it and neither do they, that, that's the kind of thing that's just not good for your mental health. Now, I will say also that, you know, look, I would not put it past him at all to be kind of sending some kind of subliminal messages about the fact that he's already starting to maybe disconnect yes. himself from Chicago because he's anticipating this happening. Because you know how it is. Kids of that generation really do communicate through social media. We know that. That's not a big secret. We know that a lot of them really try to, like, put messages out directly and indirectly that way. So I wouldn't put that past them either. Yeah, as you were saying that, Dan Graziano's eyes got really big about sending the message potentially. Uh, he's maybe going ahead and anticipating a breakup if we stay along this relationship. Mm -hmm. This is a dangerous path, though. I think we're going to get off of that. Either way, he did say that he wants to stay yeah, in Chicago. Later in the interview, <laughs> thanks, Boog, Fields was also asked about his thoughts on his hometown Falcons. Take a listen to this. Atlanta would be tough. The only con of going back home is just people hitting my phone crazy. Yeah. You know, wanting tickets to the game. But, I mean, uh, I think I think they got a lot of play playmakers on the team. And, um, of course, Bijan, they got my boy Kyle, and then, of course, Drake, too. Um, they probably need one more receiver, but um, they definitely got some guys over there. I mean, he's thought enough about it that he's thinking about another receiver to add. He, he mentioned right. Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake <laughs> May. Like, okay, uh, Drake Lennon, excuse me. So, Lewis, what do you think about the fit of fields in Atlanta, potentially? Laura, I absolutely love it. That is an ideal one in every possible way. Now, obviously, things would have to, like, manifest itself on the football field in a positive way in order for it to kind of, like, you know, come to fruition in terms of it being productive. But as far as everything kind of lining up the way you would want it to for a guy like him, I mean, think about this. If he's going down there, Raheem Morris has coached on both sides of the football, right? He's been a defensive coordinator. He's been a wide receiver coach. Zach Robinson, the new offensive coordinator, comes over from – the Rams, the Sean McVay tree, the run play action passing game, move the pocket passing game. Have we not been screaming for that for Justin Fields over the past two years in Chicago? Have we not been screaming for Luke Getze when he was the OC in Chicago? Put him under center. Help him out with first and second down play action. Change the launch points. Make it more creative. Yeah. Use more motion. What do you think Zach Robinson's going to do down there? TJ Yates, the, the quarterback coach who's played the position. All these things kind of line up right now for a guy like Justin Fields. And on top of it, the young weapons, the young weapons right now who are hungry for a guy that they can latch on to at the quarterback position. You think Bijan wouldn't like to see Justin Fields in front of him? You think Drake London, Kyle Pitts wouldn't like to see Justin Fields with that offensive line too in your hometown? I would deal with getting those tickets if I could have all that mm. stuff going in my favor <laughs> for sure all day. Yeah, Lewis, I'm, I'm going to give you another team that has a, a lot of those same attributes, but I'm going to start at the top with, with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and Mike Tomlin. We've heard Mike Tomlin mention Justin Fields, and you, you think about the fit. You talk about running the football, the under center play action game, tapping into this young man's skills as a runner. Let's not forget, he was like five or six in the league in rushing, but he, here's the biggest deal. I want wherever he goes, the next head coach, to have confidence in this young man because there's nothing like having a coach that believes in you saying that we got the right guy. That's why I think he's got to get out of Chicago mm -hmm. because it seems like everybody in the organization, are we in on him mm -hmm. or are we out on him? If you're not all the way in on him, that means you're out on him. If you're Justin Fields and in three years you haven't seen enough from this young man to know what you have, 
then it's time to move on. So regardless whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Pittsburgh or somewhere else, I just think that all parties involved would do better by having a little separation right now, move on from each other. I think the quarterback has a ton of upside. He can move on. And the Chicago Bears, we all think, not to go into draft mode, but we all think Caleb Williams is a can't-miss prospect mm. from a potential standpoint. So if you're Chicago and you aren't 100% sure on Justin Fields, take Caleb Williams, start the clock over, and allow Justin Fields to move on. Yeah, look, I mean, it's well said because I think as you look at this from all directions, the important piece of the puzzle here is that the Bears do have that number one overall pick. It's very rare that you have the opportunity to potentially get a can't-miss prospect like Caleb Williams if it ends up being him. Graz, what are you hearing about the potential timeline for any deals made by the Bears? Yeah, Laura, I think the next couple of weeks are really big because if you think about it, last year at this time, the Bears were in the same situation. They had the number one pick, uh, and they were trying to figure out what to do with the, with the pick and with Justin Fields. And then when Ryan Poles, their GM, got to the scouting combine, which starts early next week uh, in Indianapolis, uh, that's when he got really the groundwork laid for what turned out to be the trade of the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers mm. for the nine pick and other picks and DJ Moore. So I think he's following a very similar process this year, Ryan Poles I'm talking about, deliberately going through all the scenarios. They've talked about what they could get for fields, what they could get for the pick, all the possible ways uh, they could lay this out. And I think over the next couple of weeks, I will have a little bit of clarity, which I don't think there's any doubt Justin Fields is clearly looking for. Uh, he can say anything he wants about mm. Instagram, but like if he's tired of the noise, I don't think that noise is coming from the Bears' official Instagram <laughs> okay. account. Uh, I don't think unfollowing that is going to help him too much. I, I, I think, you know, some... polls last year said he and, and, and Fields were in communication on what they were going to do, and I'm sure they are this time around, but it sounds mm. like he's getting impatient. Yeah, Graza, I was going to say, I, I love Justin Fields. I wonder if he's mm. unfollowed ESPN. You know, I mean, we're talking about it. Um, and as well, we you mentioned, not. yeah, well, yeah. I know. We, You're we unfollowing everybody, Laura. Well, okay, maybe I missed it. Let me, I'm going to go look and see that. Uh, either way, as you heard Graz mention there, it's important to think about the combine, and a lot of things may be happening next week in Indy when the entire league sort of descends on Indy for a few days. Let's go to the Patriots now. Another team that may be in need of a quarterback in the draft. But the Patriots, of course, have to make a decision. They hold the third overall pick in the draft. The Pats averaged 13.9 points per game last season, tied with the Panthers for the worst in the NFL. In terms of QBR, only the Jets got worse play from their quarterback than the Patriots. New head coach Gerard Mayo and offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt addressed their plans for the offense earlier today. The one thing I would say about AVP is he can make the same concept look a bunch of different ways, and that's always hard for uh, for us on the defensive side of the ball. And, and really, like it depends on the players that we have and the the flexibility that he has as far as scheme is concerned. There's some good pieces in place. Um, I think the best thing for everybody is it's going to be a fresh start for everybody. Um, you know, I talked to a couple guys already. It's a, coming in with a clean slate, no preconceived expectations or notions of who these guys are and then we'll build it from the ground up. But exciting to, uh, to have the opportunity to do that. Clean slate, that's interesting either way. Our Patriots reporter Mike Reese was at the press conference today. Mike, what'd you take away? Well, Laura, start with the dynamic in the room. For 24 years, Bill Belichick would come into the interview room and he'd usually be standing behind a big podium. Here, we're going with the table and the sit-down chair. It's not by accident. Gerard Mayo talked about the relationship he wants to have with the media sort of be among the media, not talking at them. And another change, he's got a big coaching staff, Laura. He's got 17 new coaches in addition to those that he retained. That's a big difference. The Patriots have always had one of the smallest 
coaching staffs in the league. So Mayo saying he feels like he needs more coaches to get done what he wants to get done. And two other things. They got that number three pick. Gerard Mayo saying Elliot Wolf, the team's director of scouting, has been a great partner. You're going to hear that name more in the coming weeks at the Combine next week when Elliot Wolf is expected to address reporters. And the final thing, you heard Alex Van Pelt say he met with some players. One of them was Mac Jones, and he was asked, hey, could Mac be the starter? And Alex Van Pelt said, everything is on the table at quarterback for the Patriots. Mike, it's fascinating. And really, I mean, even as you just illustrate the differences in the press conference, you can see the changes that are already happening in New England. Thanks to you for all the greatest and the latest there. Graz, what have you been hearing about the plans for the Patriots offense? Look, that number three pick is a hot topic of conversation around the league right now. People want to know what the Patriots are going to do. Are they going to stay put and take a quarterback? Or are they going to consider trading that pick for, to someone who wants to come up and take a quarterback uh, and amass picks? The Patriots have a lot of needs all throughout their roster. There, there is a very popular theory in the league right now that you build the roster first, at least to a certain extent, and then add the quarterback in when you think it's ready for him to be successful. So it's not out of the question, I don't think, that the Patriots could move back from three, amass more picks, and then, yeah, maybe start Mac Jones or bring in a veteran uh, to compete with him or to start ahead of him in 2024 and then think about the quarterback beyond that. I, I think a lot, as, as Mike just said, a lot of different things on the table there for New England. Yeah, you got to think two at three. It also certainly obviously depends on what they think about who could be third. It could be Jaden Daniels. Right. There are so many good options, though, in that top three, depending on where Drake May and Caleb Williams go. Look, you heard Mike Reese talk about the possibility of Mac Jones continuing on as the starter and Alex Van Pelt saying everything's on the table. What do you think about that for the Patriots moving forward? Well, yeah, I love the idea of everything being on the table, but everything better involve getting a new quarterback. And, mm. and, and it's not Mac Jones's fault. Let me say that. Mac Jones's regression started with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Anytime you have two guys that have no business calling offensive plays, tutoring the quarterback, this is what's going to happen. And he regressed. Now, as you move forward and you're the New England Patriots, you can't plan on picking this high. So at some point in this draft, if it's not at number three, maybe it's later on in the draft, because we all think there's a consensus at the top. With Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels in that top three. Maybe the Patriots see it a different way. Maybe they say, we want J.J. McCarthy and we can get him mm. a little lower. So to Dan's point, we can trade down and still get our quarterback of the future. But regardless of where they take him, they have to come out of this draft with a quarterback because as an organization, you can't bank on picking this high ever again. Yeah, look, I look if you're going to go ahead and – come to the conclusion that you need to go ahead and take a quarterback or that quarterback is going to be a position that you need to address and Mac is not the guy. Look, I'm not of the belief that you just pass on quarterbacks and try and build up the other 52 positions on the roster. Like you're just going to nail all 52 of those and then all you do is conveniently, whenever you decide to find a franchise quarterback, you go, okay, I'll take that one and just slide him right in here <laughs> and it just works like that. It's always the right time to draft a franchise quarterback if you deem him to be one. It's not, well, let me look at the, all the other pieces and like set the table for him so he can walk right in here. It doesn't work like that. See, I know GMs think that, well, it's so much easier to find a guard and then a wide receiver and then Q and cornerback one and then the best <laughs> off-ball backer. No, no, it's not. No, it's, it's no hard. It's no easier to do that than it is to pick quarterback. And I'll tell you what. Let me just say this also about Mac Jones now before we just go ahead and throw Mac Jones out on the trash heap. New England, uh -oh. I don't want to say actively or purposefully, but they did a masterful job 
at wrecking this kid's confidence. Mm. Absolutely wrecking it. Yeah. Putting him in the most abominable situation you could possibly put a young quarterback in. You take away his primary play caller, the guy who made him into a Pro Bowl alternate as a rookie, and then you, you, you replace him with a semi-special teams coach and defensive coordinator who they're going to call plays now. I mean, look, I love Bill to death. Y'all know that. But what he did is like I've never seen that before. Ever in all of my 54 years of watching football, I haven't watched them all 54 years, but I'll tell you, I have never seen that kind of thing happen to a young quarterback. Never. Yeah, it's well. So just remember that. It's well said. Remember what he was subjected to. It's well said, and I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation. Also, we learned breaking news. Lou came out of the womb watching football. There's yeah. nobody else in this world that I would believe <laughs> I that thought story. Lou was like 30 I years it. old. I, I didn't Hey. I, I didn't realize it. Lou was 54. Hey, man. Lou like he's 30. Yeah, he meant negative year. He, yeah, hey, no, it's he's called supplements, books, supplements. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, guys, the Patriots enter this offseason with the second most cap space in the NFL and Bill Belichick no longer the GM either, which is important. We're just getting started on NFL Live. We're already having fun. The free agent market running backs uh, is flooded this offseason, but will one finally get a payday? Well, Graz has the insight on potential running back deals. He'll explain it includes Saquon. Plus, the defending champs have a lot of questions entering free agency with two key defenders poised to hit the market. What will be priority number one this offseason in Kansas City's quest for a three-peat? NFL Live is brought to you by Anscape Sacred Soil, streaming only on Hulu, February 23rd. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The franchise tag window officially open, meaning teams across the league have to decide what to do with crucial players who may want bigger deals. Dan Graziano here to tell you everything you need to know about the upcoming free agent running backs. Let's start with Saquon Barkley, Graz. Saquon Barkley franchised last year for about $10 million, so it would cost the Giants about $12 million if they wanted to do it again. That is possible, but it's starting to feel like it's not likely, and the Giants and Saquon have not been able to come to an agreement on a long-term contract, so it's entirely possible at this point that Saquon hits the free agent market if they can't come to a deal. Possibly use the franchise tag on him, but not likely. Derrick Henry of the Titans, his, the remaining two years of his contract voided on Monday, so he will be a free agent as well. Uh, prohibitive to tag him, almost $20 million. Uh, so obviously the Titans aren't going to be doing that. 
Derrick Henry, I was at the last game he played for the Titans in Nashville this year. It certainly seemed like he was saying goodbye to the fans there. Derrick Henry looking for a new home uh, on that free agent running back market. And then Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. Remember, unlike Saquon, Jacobs held out through training camp and the Raiders gave him an extra nearly $2 million when he came back. That means his franchise tag would be over $14 million if Ooh. the Raiders wanted to do it again. And I know this starts to sound like a theme here, but that is more money than teams want to pay running backs, which makes it very likely that if they can't get a deal done with Josh Jacobs, uh, that he does hit the free agent market as well. So uh, these running backs all kind of sing in the same tune. Uh, people don't want to franchise them at that numbers because they feel like those numbers because they feel like they don't have to. Yeah, remember that uh, running backs conference was happening over Zoom in the offseason. I wonder if that happens again. It, that's also March 13th that those guys become free, free agents. Franchise tag value for running backs expected to be around $11.3 million, which would be viewed as a hefty price tag for a position that seems to have been devalued in recent years. Like Graz was just saying, drafting a running back would be a cheaper option, but this class doesn't appear to have any elite prospects at the position yet. In Phil Yates' first mock draft, he didn't have any running backs going in the first round. But Lewis, how do you see teams valuing the free agent running back market this offseason? Well, it's basic economics, Laura, right? It's supply mm -hmm. versus demand. There's plenty of supply of veteran running backs out there right now that you just don't need to go above $10 million a year on in the open market. And I just don't see that happening. And then number two, there's just been too much of a history of being able to get winning, competent-level production at a far less price. And that is, and, uh, you know, with contracts that are far less cap prohibitive. Unless, of course, you find that outlier, that guy who you feel as though brings a special skill set, a special contribution to your locker room and to the culture of your organization that you're willing to go ahead and pay up for. There's too much of a history that says it's just not in the best interest of NFL franchises to go ahead and overpay. And I don't see why this year would be any different. I really don't. As much as we all love Saquon Barkley, the person, as much as we all love Derrick Henry, the player, as much as we all love DeAndre Swift and some of the things he did in Philadelphia, I just don't see the market playing out that way because there's nothing to move general managers away from employing that kind of methodology. Mm. Right. The, the two-time defending Super Bowl champions have been using a guy they took in the seventh round last <laughs> year at running back, and it's worked out fine for them. Point. That's mm. the issue. Uh, Laura, you say Field doesn't have any running backs in his first round of his mock draft. It's not because there aren't any that are good enough to go. It's because teams know they don't have to take them there. Yeah. They can find that production later in the draft, and that expands out to the free agent market, and that's why these guys aren't getting what they want. Lewis's point about the outlier, if there's a team out there that says, oh, Derrick Henry is exactly the kind of back we need to get us over the hump. Oh, Saquon Barkley can be so many different things in our offense, kind of the way the Panthers and then the 49ers did with Christian McCaffrey once upon a time. Then I think you might see one of these guys get a nice contract. But that's yep. what it's going to take. Because if teams are just looking at the running back market and do we sign one, they're going to be bargain hunting. Yeah, and we all know it, Christian McCaffrey's skill set is so rare. I mean, Jameer Gibbs would be somebody that you point to in the draft saying that worked out well for yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Boog, you think any of these veteran backs, though, are worthy of a big new deal? Yeah, Laura, I do. I, I, I think Saquon Barkley is a little bit different. Now, he's not like uh, B. John Robinson or Christian McCaffrey, but I, I just think when you look at Saquon Barkley, how explosive he is, he's 27 years old, had almost 1,000 yards last year, 41 catches is the thing that jumped mm. out to me. I think he can be used more in the passing game. And if you can do that, 
then you can get the type of production that justifies giving him a deal that could warrant somewhere in the 12 to 13 million dollar year range. I think he deserves it. I think he's shown how explosive he is, especially when you put him in the right system. Could you imagine Saquon Barkley running the football, catching the football in Baltimore? Not that I've heard anything, Ooh. but just imagine Saquon in Baltimore. I think a team that's going to be able to use him and take advantage of his skill set is somebody that's worthy of paying Saquon a little bit more than what we think these running backs are worth. That, that Ravens offense with Lamar, that's pretty amazing, especially considering we all know one of the reasons why people were frustrated with their exit at the playoffs was not running the football enough. All right, we got more coming your way here on NFL Live as we yeah. carry on with these boys. Coming up, the Commanders have tons of cap space, plus the second overall pick in the draft. Lots to work with in D.C. this offseason. Could trading up with the Bears get to the number one pick? Could that be on their table as well? Well, we'll get into it next on NFL Live. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the first ever Professional Fight League Super Fights card this weekend when the PFL champions square off against the Bellator champions Saturday. The prelims begin at noon Eastern on ESPN News and ESPN Plus in English and Spanish with the main card at 3 Eastern on pay-per-view. To order, go to ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus. All right, guys, it's the countdown we've all been waiting for, okay? Only eight days till the combine workouts begin in Indy. So many fascinating prospects in April's draft, and as always, Lewis Riddick, a huge part of our draft coverage. So what are you looking out for next week, Lewis? I think first and foremost, Laura, I want to see the quarterbacks throw, and I don't want to see them throw necessarily to evaluate how they throw, per se, but I want to see them compete against one another. They have nothing to lose by throwing at the combine. I want to see Caleb Williams go up, and throw the speed out. Then I want to see Jaden Daniels do it. Then I want to see Drake May do it. I want to see Bo Nix do it. I want to see Michael Penix do it. I want to see J.J. McCarthy. I want to see which one of these guys can get on the same page with these wide receivers the fastest. I want to compare them one to another because that's what scouts want to see because we all know what these guys can do on the field. Let's just see you compete. This is obviously, secondly, this is obviously a very heavy draft in terms of offensive linemen and defensive linemen. The offensive line, you see there, Fawaga from, from Oregon State, Joe Walt from Notre Dame, uh, Ola Fashanu from Penn State, Penn State. These guys are first-rounders, and they are absolute studs. And then on the defensive side of the ball, look, you see right there, Darius Robinson, 6'5", 280, Latu Latu from UCLA. I want to see what these guys look like and how they run and what their, and what their measurables are. And then the top wideouts. 
These guys are monsters in terms of their height and their weight. I want to see how fast they are. I want to see what Marvin Harrison Jr. runs in the 40. Will he actually run? I want to see what Malik Neighbors runs because Malik was an absolute freak show all season long down there catching passes from uh, Jaden Daniels. I want to see Roma Dunze. He's 6'3", 215 pounds. Just how fast is he? Look, I get juiced up. I get hyped up for this kind of stuff because I've watched these guys on tape. I see what they can do on the field, but we all know what really separates these dudes or what their measurables are and what their kind of competitive character is yeah. in, a, in a very even playing field situation like the combine. So you want to see them rise to the occasion and go ahead and accept the challenge. That's I'm all. I'm excited. I love it. Lou, you got me hyped up. The other thing, too, as you guys know, the combine <laughs> totally different from the pro days that we'll see. Those are more controlled environments. They can be really comfortable. The combine is where a lot of these teams get their first taste of exactly how they are in the environment that they want to put out there. Let's talk about the commanders, okay? They entered this offseason with the most cap space in the NFL and the second overall pick in the draft. In Phil Yates' first mock draft, he had Washington take an LSU quarterback, Jaden Daniels, interesting, he jumped Drake May, who accounted for 50 touchdowns en route to winning the Heisman Trophy last season. Graz, what are you hearing about the commander's plans heading into the offseason? The expectation is that they will address quarterback with that number two pick uh, one way or another. Now, there is a sentiment in that commander's building, whether it's from the new ownership or other people there, uh, that they would love for that quarterback to be Caleb Williams, but uh, that might require them to trade up to the mm. number one pick, and we don't know that the Bears are interested in even listening to offers for that pick yet. So if they can't do that, is it Jaden Daniels? Is it Drake May at that number two spot? Obviously, a new coaching staff there. They feel like they have some good pieces around them on offense, whoever the quarterback ends up being. Yeah, look, they'll like we said with the Patriots, if somebody wants to make an offer, obviously the commanders will listen. But it sounds, based on everything I've heard, that, that they're interested in staying put or even possibly moving up and taking a quarterback up there. Yeah, and I think at number two, it, it's got to be quarterback. And this is nothing against Sam Howell because I thought he did some really good things with Eric Bieniemy. They have some nice pieces outside when you look at Terry McLaurin, you look at Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dodson. But let's face it, guys, it's another situation where if you aren't 100% sure that you have your quarterback of the future and you're drafting this high, very similar to New England, you got to take a quarterback because you don't ever plan on being this high again. So whether it's Drake May or Jay Daniels, I think there's a consensus that Caleb Williams is going to go number one regardless of who picks number one. So if you're Washington and you stay at two, this is the big question. Is it Jaden Daniels, the LSU guy who's gotten better over the last two years? Or is it Drake May, the guy who had a good 2022 and consistent in 2023? There becomes the inflection point of the draft, Lou, and I can't wait to have these conversations <laughs> with you. Because is it LSU or UNC, baby? I can't oh. wait to dive into it because it's the flavor <laughs> of the month. And if you're Washington, you got to make sure that you get your guy at number two. Yeah, look, quarterback obviously is a – is a sticking point for them, and they're going to have to address it. I think the other thing they have to address, remember now who the head coach is. It's Dan Quinn. Remember mm. how, how he made his name in the NFL. It's about pass rush. It's about defensive line play in particular, and they need edge guys there. Remember, Montez Sweat is not there anymore. He's wrecking shop up there in Chicago. Chase Young is not there anymore. They didn't feel as though he was reaching his potential. They've got Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne inside, but they need some dudes to come off the edge. And there are some monsters this year in this draft that you'll be able to get. I'm not saying they're going to address it with the number two pick overall, but at some point in time, 
that has got to be a focal point for them if they want to contend with the quarterbacks in this league. You have to put them on the ground. You have to have guys who are coming off the edge. They have the push on the inside already. And let's not forget on the offensive line also. They have two free agents on their offensive line as well. And whatever quarterback you bring in there, we all know you better keep him upright and you better not have your young quarterback all of a sudden becoming a little bit, you know, hit shy because he's just taking way too many hits in the pocket. Yeah, to your point about the defense, the commanders allowed 30 and a half points per game last season, nearly four points worse than any other team. Also, Book, you're talking about LSU versus UNC. We know where your heart is, okay, Mr. LSU over there. That's okay. Well, th there's going to be a lot more that comes out about that ahead of the draft. We love it, Book. Still to come with Baker, Mike Evans, Antoine Winfield Jr. They're all set to be free agents. The Bucks have some tough decisions to make. Booger is going to tell us who he believes is going to be the odd man out in Tampa Bay. We'll be back with more NFL Live after this. Here's our next ESPN Plus UFC Fight Night Saturday in Mexico City, highlighted by the flyweight main event. The prelims start at 7 Eastern, followed by the main card at 10 Eastern. Hey, the franchise tag window officially opened. There are a number of talented defensive linemen that teams need to make decisions on prior to the March 5th deadline. So let's take a look at a couple of those players as we read and react. We're going to start in Miami. Dan Graziano, what's the latest you're hearing on Christian Wilkins? Dolphins don't plan to let Christian Wilkins leave, and if that means franchising him, that's likely what they'll do. The problem is the Dolphins are in pretty big cap trouble. Uh, as of right now, they're projecting to be $50 million or more over the cap once that cap is finally settled, uh, and, and they would have to clear that much room just to get under the cap, and if they tag Wilkins, they got to clear another $20, 21000000 million to get him under the cap. So a lot of work to do before they can do that. They might be better off signing him long term before the window ends. Interesting. Uh, Booger, what, how important is it for the Dolphins to bring back Wilkins? Well, I think he's extremely important, Laura, especially when you look at what they've endured on the outside with Bradley Chubb not being able to stay healthy. Christian Wilkins is an ascending player. And if you look at how pass rush has changed, there was a point in time where it was inside, then it shifted outside. Now it's kind of moved back inside where you want your dominant guys, and he was dominant last year. So it's extremely important they bring him back. He's also a huge leader on that team, which I know they take into consideration. Let's go to Jacksonville. Graz, what more can you tell us about where things stand with the Jaguars and Josh Allen? Josh Allen and the Jaguars likely to find uh, an agreement on an extension, but we would have said the same thing last year, and they couldn't. It's a weird situation. Josh Allen is, is uh, one of their best players coming off a 17-and-a-half sack season. He's a locker room leader. He's one of their best representatives in the community. He does everything they ask. Uh, they haven't been able to find a long-term deal. They will franchise him. I'm confident of that if they can't, uh, but the goal would be to keep him there in Jacksonville long-term. Yeah, Lewis, how critical is it for the Jaguars to work something out with Allen? Yeah, Laura, it's everything. I mean, because look, Dan just laid it out. He's their best defensive player, and he's one of their best people. And then quite honestly, with the new defensive coordinator this year and Ryan Nielsen, who comes over from Atlanta, they fired Mike Caldwell. Some of the, a lot of the breakdown is because of the fact that up front, they're not able to consistently generate pressure with anybody other than him. Trayvon Walker has not turned into a dominant type player. Caleb on chase on was another guy who just wasn't good enough. Sorry, Boog, LSU, but he just wasn't good enough. Dwayne Smoot's going to be a free agent. They need Josh Allen in the fold if they're going to take another step in the South and in the AFC overall. As we continue on with our who's who of D linemen that will be free agents March 13th, let's go to Baltimore. Graz, what have you heard about Justin Matavike? 
that the Ravens don't plan to let him leave either. Like, this is a foundational piece in the front of their defense. Had 13 sacks this year, just 26 years old, uh, much like Josh Allen in Jacksonville. So I, I would expect the Ravens to franchise Matabike as a means of keeping him off the market as they continue to talk to him about a long-term deal if they can't get it done in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Boog, what does Matabike bring to that Ravens defense? Well, it's really simple, Laura. Other than Chris Jones and Aaron Donald, there's not another defensive tackle in football I'd rather have on my team than Matabike. He's young. He can rush the passer. But more importantly, he plays with relentless effort, the run and the pass. And you don't find a guy that can play both of those, the combination that he does. He is definitely a priority. My number three defensive tackle in football behind Donald and Jones. Yeah, he had 11 and a half sacks when lined up as a D tackle last season. That's the most in the NFL. Let's continue with potential franchise tag candidates, okay? After leading the Bucks to the divisional round of the playoffs, Baker Mayfield, one of several Bucks players, set to hit free agency next month, which includes the franchise's all-time leading receiver and Mike Evans and all-pro safety Antoine Winfield Jr. The Bucks can only use the franchise tag on one of these players to keep them from hitting free agency. Lewis, when you look at that group, those faces that we see right there, who should be the top priority for the Bucks this offseason? You know I'm a little biased, Laura. You know where I'm heading. Yeah. I'm heading to the safety. I'm going with <laughs> Antoine Winfield Jr. And you know what? And I, and I will say this. Look, all three of those guys could make a case for being obviously integral parts to what they are doing. But think about this. Antoine Winfield Jr. had over 120 tackles this year. Six sacks. Six as a safety. Woof. Multiple double-digit, I believe, 12 or 13 pass breakups. And the guy was an all-pro. And he can play multiple positions. He can play free, strong, nickel, and dime. And when you talk to the coaches down there, Antoine Minville Jr. is the epitome of a professional. He is a guy who is a locker room leader. He's durable. He's smart. He's one of their best workers. He's beloved by his teammates. He's respected by his teammates. He's at the command and control center on defense the same way Baker is on offense. You can't let that kind of guy go. You can't. He has to be taken care of, and he has to be paid accordingly because you know his play is not going to drop off. You know what you're going to get from him from now until the time he retires. He's an all-pro caliber player, all-pro caliber person. Those guys are supposed to uh, reach their hand into your pocket and take your money, and you're <laughs> supposed to go, go ahead, have at it. Whoop. That's right. Uh, yeah, Lou, as somebody that lives in Tampa, I, I completely agree with you on Antoine Winfield Jr., but we know this league is a quarterback league, and Baker Mayfield is a guy I think has earned the right to come back. Now, would I franchise Baker? Probably not, but I think Baker has to understand if you're going to be a starting quarterback in 2024, Tampa is probably the spot for you. Is it going to be at that franchise number of $36 million a year? Probably not. Mm. And so it's going to be up to Baker and his representatives to come to an agreement with Jason Light, the GM, on a contract because I think the rapport that Baker has developed with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Kate Otten is tight end. And so I, I think they would be in really, really good shape. But man, how how can you not love Antoine Winfield Jr.? What he does, he's the most important player on that defense. And that's a defense that's got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. There's no question he's the mm. most important guy on that defense. Yeah, uh, Baker made it pretty clear that he really does want to return to Tampa Bay. He said they're the only team that's really allowed him to be himself. Gross, what are you hearing about where Mike Evans stands in Tampa Bay's future plans? 
Well, the problem with Mike Evans is you showed that graphic earlier that said the franchise tag for wide receivers is $20.7 million. Mm. That's not true for Mike Evans. Because of what his cap number was last year uh, and the rule that it has to be at least a 20% raise from that, it would cost them $28.4 million to tag Mike Evans. So that obviously complicates things, as does a wide receiver extension market that was pretty stagnant last year. You know, we've talked about guys like Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb still looking for contracts. Uh, so at some point, that market's going to take off. Mike Evans was a guy who late last, late in the offseason last year uh, made some noise about wanting an extension, didn't get one. So it feels likely that he'll gonna, he's going to get a chance to explore the market. Yeah, and just in case you forget what Evans does, he has at least 1,000 receiving yards in all 10 yeah. of his seasons. That's the longest streak to begin a career in NFL history. He's <laughs> crucial to that team, to that offense. Mm. Coming up next on NFL Live, the Super Bowl champions have a decision to make with both Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed looking for new contracts. Is it possible to keep them both? Well, Lewis explains the Chiefs' options when we come back. You don't want to miss this. More NFL Live after the break. This is a no-brainer. Chris Jones is one of the most impactful postseason players of a generation. Legereus Sneed, one of their star cornerbacks, is a free agent. Uh, hard to imagine a situation in which they can keep both. Man, pay me. <laughs> pay me. Who won't Chris Jones go? I ain't going. No well, baby. Running back was very crucial there. Uh, the Chiefs certainly hoping that Chris Jones will be back next season because when he was on the field last year, that Chiefs defense held their opponents to 4.3 yards per play, the best in the NFL. However, take Jones off the field, Kansas City allowed 5.5 yards per play, which ranked 23rd. Now, star cornerback Legereus Sneed also set to become a free agent, and Sneed was targeted 90 times during the regular season. He didn't allow a single touchdown. That's the most targets that any player has faced without allowing a touchdown since Stephon Gilmore in 2019, when Gilmore was the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year. There's no denying just how crucial those two players are to the Chiefs' defense. But what should the Chiefs' approach be with these players in the offseason? Pay both of them. I, I think it's really simple. And, and if you had to force me to pick one, I'm going to say Chris Jones because you always build your defense front to back. But there's enough money to pay both of them. I, I think Chris Jones is a top two defensive tackle in football, depending on what day uh, Aaron Donald was playing on and how you feel about him. And LeJarrius Sneed has proven he can play inside and outside. And all he does is shut down the best receiver. He travels with the best receiver. He makes impact plays. And in the biggest game, Sneed plays the best. And so I think when you look mm -hmm. at uh, Brett Veach and, and Lewis, I know you're connected there. There is enough money in the organization especially with this salary cap that's like Play-Doh. You can mold it how you want to mm. to pay Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed because <laughs> those two guys, I think, are the linchpins to one of the youngest defenses and best defenses in football. Yeah, yeah there, there's no doubt they'll have to do some, some cap magic, and I know Dan will speak about that a little bit as far as what they'll do with maybe with Patrick's contract. But, look, Chris Jones will be the priority because he's irreplaceable. He just is, and that's not to say that Legereus Need is replaceable because Brett Veach has been a master at finding guys that then their defensive back coach, David Merritt, who is one of the unsung heroes across the NFL in terms of being a position coach, has done a fantastic job developing these young guys. 
Jalen Watson, you know, Trent McDuffie. These are guys who all come from that 22 draft class that really catapulted this team in their rookie season. And then in their second season, took it to a whole nother level. So I know that Brett believes as though they can find defensive backs if they need to. And they can rely on David Merritt to really continue to develop these guys. But make no mistake, they don't want to lose either one of them. Because what LeJarius Need did this year was absolute just shutdown quality. What Trent McDuffie did this year was shutdown quality. And we already know the impact that Chris Jones has on that football team, not just on the field, but you see how the people there just love him. And when he walks into a room, Laura, you've been there when when he comes in for production meetings. You just kind of like the guy. Larger than life, right. You like him. And and that exactly. And that's how they feel about him down there. You don't let that get out of the building. You just don't. Yeah, and and look, I I don't think that they will. If you talk about that Patrick Mahomes restructure, if you do a maximum restructure on Patrick Mahomes' contract for maximum salary cap savings, the number you save comes out almost exactly the same as what it would cost to franchise Chris Jones this year. So there you go, right? (laughs) Like it's fixed. Uh, Now, it may be that they'd rather spend that cap space on other things, uh, and it's better to do a long-term deal with Chris Jones, and maybe they do get that done. But if they have to franchise him, to keep him in the building, I think they will. Everything Lewis said about the defensive backs holds true. They drafted three of them in 2022, anticipating this situation with Legarius Sneed, knowing when his contract was going to be up. We've seen in the past uh, with Marcus Peters, with Chavarius Ward, they've let guys graduate and go on and replace them because of their faith in David Merritt, in Steve Spagnolo, to develop mm. these guys into star players, and it has worked. So if you ask me well, who's more likely to be there next year, I think Chris Jones because, Laura, they have not been drafting game-wrecking defensive tackles yeah. who can play any position on the defensive line and close out Super Bowls. Those guys just aren't around. I mean, you can make the argument that he won it for him in a lot of ways. I like when we're handing out other people's money. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live.